But we're glad you're here tonight. And uh, as we were thinking about uh, tonight and the fact that Sunday, if you haven't looked around and seen the flags hanging, Sunday kicks off our missions conference. And this year's missions conference will be different than any missions conference I think this church has done because of the, uh, the year we're in. We've, we're changing it up a little bit, but don't let that uh, discourage you or take anything away from what the missions conference is about. We're not doing it every night of the week, so we're doing it different, but different's not bad. So uh, please make plans, be at every service. We want to be a blessing to the missionaries that are here and uh, just see what God's going to do this year. Uh, before I tell you where we're going to be at tonight, we're taking a quiz. If, if we start telling the story, um, I'm going to mention a, a passage of the a Bible, and I'm going to tell you a story that everyone's heard, and you've probably heard it your whole life, and you've heard it a whole lot if you've been around church at all. And so um, let's talk about, about um, uh, the woman at the well. And if I mention the woman at the well... Um, who thinks they can name the characters involved in that story? If we were going to make a, a list of the characters, who can list the characters? I gave you one of them. Come on. Um, but who can list the characters at the Samaritan woman at the well? Who, do you think, who thinks they can list at least one? Somebody want to list at least one? What do we got? Yeah, Jesus. So Jesus was there. Who else was there? The disciples were there. We'll group those together. So the disciples were there. Who else was there? Who else is listed in this? The Samaritan woman. I, I thank you for saying that. I was hoping somebody would say that. Uh, okay, so in that passage, we have that, them listed. Uh, who else is listed? The people, that, yes, the people of the city were listed. And there was another group that was identified before the whole, there was one more group identified. Um, we're actually missing two out of this. Um, there, there were people identified, but specifically, there was a smaller group mentioned right after Um, the men, yes. So she goes and she's going to, we're going to see the story. You know the story. I don't have to, you all know the story. Um, she goes and gets the men and, and she tells the men, hey, you got to come see this guy. He told me everything I ever did. And they come, but then the city comes. And, but we're, we're missing one. That, that sounds like a good list right there, but we're still missing one. And um, anybody want to take a guess? Um, he may have been in that group. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say for sure. Anybody else? We're missing one. All right, let's go to John 4. I hope tonight, what I want to do is I want to share something with you that um, it's a familiar, familiar story, but I read something and I came across this as I was reading and it jumped out at me differently than it ever had before. So let's go to John chapter 4 and I'm just going to read a few verses as we start and uh, we'll get kicked off here. And I want you to see this um, starting in verse number 3. Um, he left Judea, talking about Christ. Um, Christ is traveling here. Um, so he left Judea and departed uh, again into Galilee. And verse 4, he, uh, And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city, to the, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, uh, near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now, whose well is it? Jacob's well. Jacob's well is listed in this story. We read this story. You've probably read this story a hundred times. You've heard it a hundred times. And I have never heard anyone talk about Jacob's well as part of the story. We just know it's the woman at the well. And as I started to look into a little bit about what this means about Jacob's well, um, we have to go back way back to Genesis chapter 33, which we're not going to take the time tonight to do that. But Genesis chapter 33 I found the second land purchase that's recorded in, our, in, our, in the Bible in Genesis. Abraham purchased a, a piece of land uh, uh, 10 chapters earlier. And then in chapter 33, Jacob, um, he sets up 
his tents, he has his people, he has his animals, and he buys a piece of land for a hundred pieces of money, and it doesn't say that Jacob dug a well. There's no reference to it. But I have to conclude, I must step away a little bit because I am doing a little thinking here. I have to conclude that if Jacob has people and Jacob has animals, and in John chapter 4 it says he has a well, that eventually Jacob had to have a well on his property because his people needed water, his animals needed water. There had to be a way for him to survive on the land that he purchased. And we know that in John chapter 4 there is a well, and it has his name on it. So I am concluding that Jacob has dug a well at some point. Is everybody okay with that? Okay, we're we're, we're all there. So tonight, I want to take this, and I want to look at what's going on in verse uh, as we get into the story, but I want you to remember, she's going to be there. Christ goes to Jacob's well in the city of Samaria, and and you know the story. You know what the, the Jews did not go to Samaria. They would cross the river, go around, all the way around this place, cross the river to come back instead of going through there. But on this trip, in verse number four, Christ tells his disciples that I've got to go to Samaria. I have an appointment, and we're going to see about that tonight. So verse number six, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, so it's the middle of the day. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said, of her, and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I titled, I titled this tonight, um, there's still water in the well. There's still water in the well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that you've given us. We do pray for our pastor. We pray for uh, Pastor Telman as they're traveling. Pray for the group that's traveling back tomorrow. Lord, for our uh, master clubs, our youth group going on right now, for the ministries we have down the property. Lord, for this time that we have in here as a, as a family, I pray again that you'll just, uh, Lord, Uh, direct the words, um, give us exactly what you'd have for us tonight. And as we get ready for our missions conference, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see the role that you've given us and the impact that we have in that. And Lord, that what you want to do through us, and we're just excited to see all that's done. We'll give you the praise for it, but your name we pray. Amen. The the idea from this, again, is the fact that we, we see Jacob in the Old Testament way back in Genesis. And then we see his well. And I, I want you to focus on the fact that this well has existed for a long time now. Um, we don't know the exact dates, but we, we know it's a long time. And this thing has still got water. People are still using it. Uh, Samaria was separated from the Jews um, because during their captivity, they had intermarried with the Assyrians. And the Jews looked at them as half-breeds. And, and they, were, they were unclean. And the Jews would, would not have anything to do with them. And so this... To, for the disciples to see this was a huge deal, but for a Samaritan woman to have a Jew talk to her was something that had, this, this doesn't happen. He would never come to the city and stop, first of all, and ask her for something. And we know her story. We know why she was there in the middle of the day and not the morning. And she has a past. And, and, and God knows all that. 
but he was waiting for her. He had an appointment with her. Um, this well that Jacob has, uh, we don't know a lot about the original, but we do know some of the, some, some of the characteristics of it. Um, does anybody know how deep the well was? Have you ever looked at this? Um, there's no specific depth that we can know for sure, but we do know it's over 100 feet deep. I read 120 feet. I read 135 feet. So we'll say it's over 100 feet, but 100 feet's a long ways. Um, this is not 100 feet. So if you're digging a well, um, let's go back and dig it the way they did. Uh, no shovels, no power tools, no machinery. You get a stick, a rock, and a clay pot. And maybe a wooden, you can make a little tray maybe to haul wood out. And this hole has to be big enough for someone to get into because they have to dig down. And, and, and we're digging this thing 100 feet down. Um, anybody want to volunteer and we'll go out and try this? Nobody wants to do this. But, but they had a need for the people, for his animals. They had a need for a well. And so we know that Jacob um, digs this well. But it, was, it, was, it was hard to do. I'm sure they felt like quitting. I don't know how deep you dig until you say that's enough and we're going to move on. Um, my dad has built many houses and there have been wells on these properties. Anybody have a well at their house that you had to put in or, or you've done a well? Um, isn't it fun that uh, you just walk around and pick a spot and say, let's dig here and see if there's water. Um, there's no magic signs that say dig here. There's no indicators um, really that tell you you're going to find water when you dig. And there's no way to know the depth of it um, if you're digging a, a piece of land that's never been dug. Um, you, buy a, you could buy a lot um, and say, hey, we're going to put a house here and we're going to dig a well. And they'll come out and say, we think there's going to be water there. And we're going to charge you by the foot to dig down. And they could go down hundreds of feet and not hit water and ask you, what do you want to do? And you have to decide to keep digging or start another hole and try another place. And, and, and this, is, this can be a great process. And one time and you hit water and you're done, or it could be a multiple process and cost a lot of money. But they dug down and, and they, they dug in the right place, but they dug deep. And it, water was there, but it was down a long ways. I'm sure there's times they felt like quitting. I'm sure there's times it was tough. I'm sure it was hard work. And I'm sure that uh, maybe they got down a little ways and said, hey, it doesn't look like any water. It's still dry in here. So maybe we just need to dig somewhere else. And they kept digging and they kept digging and they kept digging and there's water. And that water uh, was not just used by them, but was, we see it was used for generations and generations to come. So what is it from the story of the well, Jacob's well, with the story in John 4 of the Samaritan, what is it that we can glean from that? What can we take and apply it for our missions conference and for our role in the Great Commission? So now I'm going to give you three things that I see in this that I can apply to my life of how God uses this metaphor of this well in my faithfulness or lack thereof. I want you to see when it comes to faithfulness, I'm going to give you these things. Number one, God will give you wells to dig. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> no, listen, if you're a Christian, God didn't save you to do nothing. When, you're, when you ask Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you, and God says that he has, he has given you spiritual gifts, and he wants you to use them. 
He wants you to do something for him. And, and, and when, you get it, when we see someone get saved, they get so excited about all the things going on, and it's easy to lose that excitement, isn't it? But God has saved you to do something, and in your life, as a Christian, he is going to ask you to be faithful to dig a well. I don't know what that's going to look like for you. Uh, maybe it's um, a burden. Maybe it's a prayer request. Maybe it's a soul that you long for. Um, how long are you willing to be faithful to do or pray for whatever it is that God's put in your life? That's the way I envision the well and digging it. There's a burden, there's a need, and I can dig and, and, and I, can, I can dig and I can dig and I can be faithful because God, God, I believe you, you put me here. I believe you want me to do this. I believe this is the, the person you've put in my life or the people you've put in my life, whatever the case may be, and I'm just going to trust you. But it's so easy to not see water, to not see results, and it's easy to quit, isn't it? If we looked around the spiritual landscape of our world, we would probably see a lot of holes with no water in them because we give up and we quit digging. But God will give us wells to dig. He's going to give us something to do. Um, My wife and I were in in the state of Utah for 12 years. Um, Seven years, I was still in the military, and I retired my mom and dad moved out there with us, and we were serving together in a ministry there. And um, in 2012, God said, it's time for you to go to Tennessee. And God picked up my family, and as clear as I am talking to you is as clear as I believe God said, go to Tennessee. And we literally came here, and I believe God placed us here, and he said, dig a well in Tennessee. Go work with this family and dig that well and plant that church. And we did for five years. And when our part was done, God said, you're done. I'm going to move you somewhere else to dig somewhere else now. And that's the way I envision the Christian life, that God is just telling you to do whatever it is. And you say, well, I've never been moved out of this state. I've been here my whole life. God doesn't have to move you for you to do something. God doesn't have to relocate you for you to do something. You can do it right here, right now. It's in your life. It's the faithfulness of you and God. And he wants to do something through you. He wants you to be faithful so he can have a result. See, God chooses to use us to do what he wants to do. Isn't it crazy that God doesn't need us to dig a well? Water. But he doesn't do that. He says, I want to use you. I want you to do it. And I'll do it through you if you let me. Just be faithful. You know that verse in the Bible that says, I can do all things? What's the second part of that verse? Through Christ. Do you, do you believe that in your life? Do you believe that if God's given you a burden, a request, a soul, a, a problem that you can't handle, something too big, an obstacle in your life, do you believe that you can do all things? Do you believe that God can do it through you? And yet we still try to stifle God and do it ourselves. And that's when we get wore out and we tend not to dig. But God wants to do something through us. It's about faithfulness. It's not about location. It's about doing what you're supposed to do wherever God has you. Um, It it may not be in one place. Um, It may not be once in your life. It may be multiple times that God is asking you to be faithful and to dig a well and to just dig until he answers it and you just trust him. So I see that God will give us wells to dig. Number two, God will give us people who need water. Whatever the burden, whatever the need, whatever the problem, whatever's going on in your life, your faithfulness, the result of that 
is that people around you have needs that will be met. Jacob had an immediate need. He had people, he had animals. The woman at the well had a need for water. She was going physically to get water, but she had a bigger need, didn't she? And God knew that she would have that need and she'd be there that day and he had an intersection set up with her. And, and, and we're going we're to look at that. But I like it, verse 4, how I talked about that he must needs go through Samaria. Listen, we have uh, the abbots were in your prayer on our prayer sheet tonight in France. Guess what they asked for? More workers. There's a need in France. There's a need in Uganda. There's a need in Hendersonville. See, God's got missionaries all over the world. But you can only dig in one place at one time and be where God wants you to be. So God's saying, I want you to be faithful where you're at. Now, here's the connection. But we can send somebody else to dig over there. And we can send somebody else to dig over there. And we can send somebody else to dig over there. We can be faithful together as God's people to do what he wants us to do and equip others to do it somewhere else. But wherever it is, there's a need for people. Sunday, we were talking in our life group about the way God has designed us, our DNA, and you are born with a God-shaped void in your life. Picture a puzzle that's missing one piece. I, I know some people who are a little OCD just, kind of, yeah, saw your eyes light up there like, oh man, that's the worst thing in the world, wouldn't it? One piece is missing out of that puzzle. That, that piece is a God-shaped void that only God can fill. And you will spend your entire life without salvation trying to fill that need with everything. And nothing will satisfy it. Only the living water of Christ can satisfy that need. God of salvation fits that spot perfectly. And we will try everything. It may be job, career, people, boats, money, whatever it is. We'll try to fill that hole and nothing satisfies except God. So God's going to give us people who have that need in our life. The Samaritan woman had an appointment with the Savior, and she was drinking from a well that she did not dig. Most of you know John Goodell. I love the, one of the quotes. John Goodell used it many times around us. Uh, he would say, I realize in my life I'm drinking from water from wells I have not dug. You know what that means? Somebody else had to dig a well. Tonight, as a church family, we were sitting in a well. 51 years ago, a man came to Hendersonville and planted and started digging this well. And we still benefit from that decision 50-some years ago now. Do you think it was hard to start a church out in the country? They met in a funeral home. I have actually done that. Our church in Mount Juliet met in a funeral home for about a year and a half. It was the old funeral home. It was weird. There was an there was a uh, embalming room. We had to lock the door and just keep the kids out of there because it was freaky. Um, <laughs> Ken remembers. <clears throat> it was freaky, um, but we did it because we had a place to meet. Now, now, I, Pastor Friendsley to me, I love Pastor Friendsley. Pastor Friendsley said, "God's calling me to Hendersonville. I'm going to Hendersonville, and you can't stop me." And he dug and he dug and he dug. And the faithfulness of that man and the faithfulness of people through the generations has kept this church here and allowed it to be what God is using. And right now we have missionaries around the world that came out of this room. Clay and Priscilla are in Uganda tonight because decisions that were made 51 years ago to plant this church. So what if he had said no? What if it got hard and he quit digging? We'd all feel pretty, pretty silly sitting out here tonight. <laughs> I don't think it'd be a church here. It'd probably be a clinic. 
I doubt we'd have missionaries in Uganda. I, I, I doubt we would see the results of what's going on in the lives of our people that we've sent out throughout this area. So God is telling us that he'll give us people in our lives. If you look at John 4, I want you to go, we're going to jump quickly. Look at verse 23. John chapter 4, look at verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. I don't have that underlined in my Bible. I didn't before today. The Father seeketh. You know, God tells us in his word, John 12, 32, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. God's desire is for every person to hear the gospel and accept him as their savior. That's God's desire. And yet we know that's not going to happen. We know it's evident that people don't do that. The devil is fighting and all those things are going on. But our role in that, God says, you have a circle of influence. You have people in your life. Do you know you have people in your life that Pastor Much will never have an impact on? You have an influence, a circle that, that I, no one else in this room has but you. And God's given you that. Um, that is your area. That is where God has placed you to do. Um, Brother Gary, how many states do you travel in and countries now? You've, you've been all over the place. He's worked here. He's worked out west. He's been in South America. He's been everywhere. God's using him in places, and there are wells in all these places that he has dug. Places where he has labored and said, God, this is kind of hard. God said, just be faithful. You just keep working. There are camps that have buildings because Brother Gary went out there and built them. I've been to two of the camps that he's worked on. Beautiful places. There are churches in, in Mexico that, that, that are functioning and have walls because of work that he has done. Well, how did God do that? A man dug a well. People got together and said, well, we're, we're going to work here. We're going we're gonna to be here and we'll work and we'll be faithful and we're going to send you and let you be faithful over there. So God will send people who have a need for water. God will give us Wells to dig. God will give us people who need water. And then I want you to see this last one. God will give you results longer than you'll ever see. God will give you results longer than you'll ever see. Jacob dug that well thousands of years before we see the story here in John chapter 4. And God used it to intersect with a woman who needed him. Jacob had no idea that God would ever use that well in that way. God, Jacob had no idea that well would exist after he died. And yet God preserved that place and the faithfulness of what he did and used it so many years later. How does that apply to our life? What does that look like in our life? You being faithful has an impact on others. Some of it you'll see, maybe with your kids, family, coworkers, whatever it may be but you'll have an impact on people and you'll never know what it is this side of eternity. You being at church is a testimony, an encouragement. You being faithful to pray. You using your time, talent, and treasures. You giving to the work of the Lord. Praying for those needs, praying for those souls. Whatever the case may be, you will have results longer than you'll ever know. John 4, verse 28 she gets so excited about what's going on, she runs back and tells the man in verse 28, says, um, well, let's read it. The woman then left her water part, water part went, went her way to the city, and she said to the men, come and see a man, which told me all the things I ever did. Is this not the Christ? 
Then they went out, came to the city unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples pray, uh, prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Remember, the, ma- the disciples were gone. They missed this revival. They, they, they were at the store looking for food because they were hungry. And, and he's having a revival service. She's going to get more people and said, don't stop the revival. I got more people I'm going to go get. She takes off and says, I got to bring people to Jesus. And the disciples are like, hey, we got dinner. KFC's in the bucket. What do you want? And he's like, hey, we, we got something going on here you don't know about. And, and in verse 33, therefore says disciples one to another, hath any man brought him ought to eat. They still don't get it. They're still focused on the physical. They're not looking at this big picture and they're missing all of it. And listen, I, don't be too critical on them because we're just dumb disciples too sometimes, aren't we? We, we don't get the big picture. We, we don't see past our, our, what we see and what we know and what we feel. And, and so sometimes we miss the big picture of what's going on. But he's like, hey guys, there's something happening here. And they're like, well, did somebody feed him? And verse 34, Jesus said to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Finish his work. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. I bet the disciples are looking around like, what field is he talking about? We're in Samaria. What are you talking about? You told us not to go to Samaria. I don't know if it's clicking yet for him, but he's trying to explain it. And, and, he's, and, and he that re, uh, reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. And both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. That's that idea that we're here and they're there. And we do our part and they do their part. We send people to Uganda and we send missionaries to France and we send missionaries to Mexico and we send missionaries all over the world. And we're here being faithful and they're being faithful. And God says, I will bless that. And you will have a part in their reward and they have a part in what what you do. And it's all one big family. Verse number 37. And herein is the saying true. One soweth another reapeth. I sent you to reap that uh, whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entering into their labors. That idea that you're drinking from a well that someone else dug, wow, that should be humbling. But let's ask the big question. Where's the next generation going to drink from? What about two generations from now? If we're not faithful to do what God's asked us to do, what's going to happen to the generations that come behind us? And you may say, oh, it doesn't matter. God's coming back any day now, and those generations won't be here. because God, God, there's no timeline that we know of, so God may say, you know what? It's not time yet. Now, we all look around and say, it's got to be time. It's got to be. The signs are there. It's got to be time. But we don't know God's time frame. So God's saying, until the marching orders, and you're out of here, you keep marching. You keep doing what you're supposed to do. Be faithful. In verse number 39, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all things I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days and many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ the savior of the world. Hey, she got so excited. She went and told people about what Jesus did for her. They came and they believed and more people come and they heard from Christ. And they're like, Hey, we we heard you, but we heard him and we believe we know he's Christ. That is the Messiah. We believe on him. And they've got a revival that started. What does that look like in our life? In today's vernacular, what would that look like? That would be, um, Hey, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. 
Would you like to know him too? Boom, they get saved. Hey, come to church with us. And you heard the preaching, and boom, you get saved too. And it started way back over here with that one-on-one encounter with Jesus. She didn't know any, She didn't know the vocabulary. She didn't know the rules. She just said, hey, you got to come see what Jesus did. This guy just told me everything I did. You know, God just wants us to do the same thing. God wants to work in your life and do something, and he wants you to tell others and be faithful and just boom and boom and boom, and you keep being faithful, and he's going to keep blessing. But what happens in our Christian walk today for so many is that we get this wonderful answer to life's problem, to that God-shaped void, and we don't tell anybody about it. And we get so busy in life that we lose the focus of what life is all about, and we start seeing people as people and not as souls. And this Sunday, we're kicking off our conference. We want to pray that God would give us a vision of how he sees people. Are the people in Mexico important? Yes. Are the people in Ethiopia important? Yes. What about your next-door neighbor? They're just as important. And God's saying, I've I've got missionaries. I've got you in places to use you, and I want to use you. Just be faithful. Just trust me. Keep digging. I think as as I'm writing down some closing thoughts, your labor is not in vain because the result of faithfulness is God's glory. God wants everything that's done. You were created for God's glory, and everything you do, God says, I want you to do it for the glory of me. And when you do that, and when you're faithful, God gets glory for that. You're not saying, oh, you know what? I dug, and I dug, and I dug, and nothing happened, so I quit. See, quitting doesn't bring faithfulness, that doesn't bring glory to God. It's a lack of faithfulness. That unfaithfulness does not bring glory to anything, and it does not give a testimony that God is who he says he is to the outside world, to the people who need it. What does it say? If you say, hey, I'm going to live like you do because living for God doesn't pay. I'm just going to do everything you do. Why would they want what you have? God says, hey, I want you to be faithful. Sometimes the effort seems like a lot. Let me point out um, an obvious point here. We'll, We'll wrap this up. I'm going to let you out early, but don't tell... Oh, okay, Mrs. Much. I'm going to let you... We're going to be done early, but don't tell your husband. You'll come to expect this. Hey, here's an obvious point. Your well may be deeper than somebody else's. And it may take you longer to see results. Maybe your neighbor's digging a well and they hit water at 20 feet and you're still at, you're at 60 feet and you're still bone dry and you haven't seen water in a long time. And there's no... There's no evidence that there's water anywhere close. If you start comparing your life to someone else's, if you start comparing the results of what God's doing in someone else's life to your life, you're going to get really miserable. And you're probably going to get a little angry with God. I know we don't get angry with God because he has lightning and we're scared of that. But let me tell you, it's really easy for us to get angry at God and present it in a multitude of ways and, and not to him. And then bitterness starts. And pretty soon, we're not seeing what's going on in someone else's life. And we get bitter, and we walk away. Don't compare what God's doing in your life to someone else's. If you know you're being faithful, if you know you're doing what God wants you to do, if you know you're doing uh, the, the way God wants you to do it, and, and God has placed you there, and, and you and God, are, uh, you know this is right, don't look around and start comparing to someone else. Because you don't know why God does what he does, because you can't think like him. And when you try to, when you try to put your small mind around the thoughts of God, 
it's going to drive you to a dead end every time. Remain faithful where God has you. Uh, Joseph dug down. Maybe they were at 35 feet, and he said, oh, we're not hitting water. We've been digging forever. We're not hitting water. I don't know how many feet they could do a day. I don't even know if they could do a, I don't know what this ground was like. I don't know how far they could dig in a day. But imagine at 35 feet, they, they're probably a little tired thinking about stopping. And, and they get down to 60 feet, and they'll be, man, we've been digging. Jacob, we've been digging for a long time, and there's no water. Well, we're kind of thinking we should probably quit. And maybe they felt like quitting then, and maybe, maybe they're uh, at 90 feet been digging for a long time and they're at 90 feet and maybe now they're just discouraged like Jacob we gotta have water and there's no water we're at 90 feet Jacob we've been digging this for a long time what do we do and imagine at 99 feet there's still no water they're tired they're discouraged they're they're thinking God we, we, we've been we've been doing this for a while and there's, there's just nothing here what do we do and can you imagine that breakthrough moment that that movement of dirt and there's 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 wet sand Ooh, getting close remotivates let's go let's go let's go let's keep doing and and they hit water well what's that look like in our life and how does that apply to us in in relation to the great commission that god has said hey take the gospel to the whole world maybe you've been thinking about quitting oh no no, no. I, I don't mean like just drop out of church and and, and do the showy stuff, but maybe in here we're quitting. Maybe we're not doing the things we used to do. Maybe we're not as faithful as we used to be. Maybe we're not seeing results fast enough and it's driven us to hold back a little bit. Maybe pull back from where we used to be. Maybe we've hit 60 feet and we're thinking about stopping because we're tired. Maybe we've been digging in our own power and we're just not seeing the results, and we just don't feel like God's in this. And God, we just, we just don't feel you here. Maybe we hit 90 feet. We feel like quitting because we're just not seeing results, and we've been at this for a long time. And God, we've been praying for this person for a long time, and they're still not saved. And God, we've had this need for a while, and you haven't fixed it. And God, I've had this going on in my life for a while now, and you haven't taken it away. And God, uh, uh, 99 feet. Wouldn't it be sad to quit at 99 feet? Wouldn't it be sad for a church to quit on God? Wouldn't it be sad for us to know that God wants to use us and to just walk away from it? Well, those are the questions we're going to have to answer, and we're going to have to answer them here pretty soon when we say, God, what are you going to do with us? What do you want us to do for you? How do you want to use us in this missions conference? What is it going to look like in my life? Well, your wells, the wells that you dig, your faithfulness will have an impact on others that you may never see this side of eternity. But God keeps great books. He has great records. He knows all that's going on. And even though you don't see the results, it's not in vain because there's still water in those wells. It's worth it. First Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. As we go into Sunday, God's going to ask us to do something. Collectively, as a church body, we all have a part. What he's asking you to do is be faithful. That's all. Just be faithful. 
God will never ask you to do something that he can't do. Because he'll empower you to do it all. So my hope and prayer is that we go into this weekend excited about the work of the Lord and the fact that we get to have a part of it. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the night. Lord, I think about this um, picture of the well. Lord, we examined it tonight. We've talked about what it took. We, we physically know, but Lord, we're, we think about the appointment you have with this lady. You used a work from someone else, Lord, who was faithful in a way that he never saw, and you recorded it for us to see. Lord, you gave us this picture of you meeting with her, an intersection that changed her eternity. Lord, this appointment that you had. And then, Lord, we see how she would go and tell others, and they believed, and people from the city come, and they believe. Lord, the revival started as a result of faithfulness. In our lives, it looks the same way. Lord, you've given us things to pray about, to do, to use our talents on, to use our spiritual gifts with. Lord, you've said be faithful. You've told us that you'll do it through us. You've given us everything we need. Lord, you provide for us. And as a result of that, we may never see and never know. But Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to know that you're faithful, that you cannot be anything but that. Lord, that you love us. You have nothing but our best interests at heart. It may not always be easy. It may not always be fun. But Lord, it's always for your glory. And I pray again that you would empower us. Use us in a special way. Lord, give wisdom to our pastor. Bless our missionaries that are coming in that will be with us. Lord, may this conference be unlike any conference we've had, and not because we're not doing it during the days of the week we usually do it. Lord, but because you're doing something through your people. And as we team up with these families, as we renew our relationships, as we uh, recharge, Lord, again, that it would be something special. But in our lives, the wells that you've asked us to dig, the places that you've put us, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to trust you. Tonight, Lord, we just want to say we love you. And the fact that you would choose to use us to do your will is humbling. Thank you for it. Lord, may this week be an awesome week. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.